good to be together. If you have a copy of God's Word, and I hope you do, find Psalm 138. Psalm 138. As we consider what it means to give thanks with a whole heart. Psalm 138. A Psalm of David. And the Word of God says... I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. And they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hands against The wrath of my enemies and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hand. This is the word word of God. Thanksgiving really is such a, a powerful apologetic. And by that I mean Thanksgiving as a holiday exposes what the Bible says about all humanity, that we have God's fingerprints all over us, that God's existence is clear in the world that he made, that he is our maker, and that as creatures, we cannot escape our creator no matter how hard we might try to do it. It's like a character written into a book trying to deny that the author that crafted them exists. And why is Thanksgiving such a powerful apologetic Because we mark a time in our life when we give thanks for everything, both big and small. But who receives thanks for the big things in your life? You can give thanks to mom or grandma for a wonderful Thanksgiving dinner, but who do you give thanks to for your life? Sure, mom and dad had a big role, but Jesus had a much bigger role, didn't he? Do we express thanks for a cosmic accident and a world left unguided without any sort of deity or guiding force? Who do we express thanks to for the life we have with the family we have and the gifts we have in our life? Even calling them gifts implies that there is a giver and thanksgiving implies thanks receiving. And who is to receive thanks for all things? Psalm 38 directs our thanksgiving toward God, the creator and ruler of heaven and earth. Recall that the Psalms were one of the ancient hymn books of both the book of, of, of both the people of Israel and of the early church, and they expressed the wide array of human emotions, suffering, sadness, and even thanksgiving. 
David authored this psalm in front of us, and he expresses thanksgiving to God for all of the big things in his life. And hopefully by the Spirit of God, we will be stirred to join with David in this psalm in thanksgiving, not simply for one week a year, but for all of our lives. Here's your main idea. Here's your main idea. God calls his people to give thanks with our whole hearts. God calls his people to give thanks with our whole hearts. And we see that right in verse 1, don't we? Look at verse 1. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. Certainly, this sounds like the command God gave to Moses back in the Deuteronomy, back in the book of Deuteronomy, called the Shema, which was the central of Old Testament life and worship. Look what Deuteronomy says, Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 5. We hear this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your hearts, with all your soul, and with all your might. Jesus reiterates this command and calls it the most important command. There's actually a conversation about this recorded in Mark chapter 12. And look what we see there. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he had answered them well, he asked, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. He goes on to say, the second most important commandment is to love your neighbor as yourselves. But even more important than that, we are called to love God and to give him thanks with our whole hearts, souls, mind, and strength. And here we see David giving this sort of thanks, love, and praise with all that he has. He's offering worship to God as God has commanded. And here's what he's telling us, that one of the things that we give thanks for when we give thanks with a whole heart is that we give thanks for who God is. Wholehearted thanks means giving thanks for who God is. Is. And he starts with God's greatness. Give thanks for who God is and give thanks for God's greatness. Notice how as he begins talking about giving thanks with his whole heart, he says, I give you praise. I sing your praise before the gods. Notice what's going on here. Didn't Deuteronomy just tell us that there's only one God? <laughs> And yet, here we see, who are these other, quote, gods? Some translations will actually put this word into quotation marks, that these are real deities. Now, these aren't real deities, as if there were a plethora of gods that are equal or lesser to the God of the Bible. No, this word is talking about these sort of influential or powerful beings. It can be earthly kings who in, this, in these days would have been worshipped were idols of nearby pagan nations that were perceived to be powerful rivals to the God of the Bible. But David gives praise to the one true God in the face of everything that tries to rival God. And while I don't think many of us have idols of stone at our house, and most of us don't refer to our leaders as gods, that's been a lesson we've learned 
the past few years, hasn't it? That they make terrible, terrible gods. But there are things in our life that try to rival the place that only God should have. Some of us set our hopes on relationships as if, as if we had a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or even just more friends, that it will bring us everything we're looking for. For others, we set our hopes on, man, would I just move out of the house? My whole life's going to be better. I, I, I got some bad news for you. Life's not going to get a lot better. It's probably going to get worse for a little while. Or for others, they're like, man, if I just graduate college or I reach this other milestone. And yet Psalm 138 instructs us that ultimately the hope for our souls, the thing that is to receive our whole heart and our whole praise is God alone. While friends and relationships and milestones are good gifts, they are terrible gods. All of those gifts are ultimately meant to point toward the one who is the giver of all gifts. Here's what the Apostle James wrote. He said this, James 1.17, that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, from whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Give thanks for God. He's the giver of all things, not the God's of this world. We must give thanks for God's greatness. He is great and above all. But David doesn't stop there. Notice verse 2. Look what he says here. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. He praises God, not just for his greatness, but also he praises God. He gives thanks for his goodness. Give thanks for God's greatness and give thanks for God's goodness. Friends, the idea of God being great is only something to be thankful for if he is also good. Because <laughs> absolute power can be frightening, especially if it's corrupted. But we give thanks because our God isn't simply great with absolute power. He is good and absolute love. Notice he gives thanks to God for his steadfast love and faithfulness. This is such an important phrase. In fact, the whole Old Testament really centrals and has this pivotal moment in the book of Exodus, chapter 34, when God appears to Moses and God sort of introduces himself. And here's what he says in Exodus 34, verse 6. The Lord passed before Moses and he proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This is God introducing himself and God's way of saying to Moses and saying to us by extension that God loves us and that he keeps his word. And this wasn't simply a promise for Moses in the desert. This is for God's people throughout all time. David had experienced the love and faithfulness of God. He knew it by experience, but he also knew it because of what God exalted. Look at the end of verse 2 again. He says, For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. David didn't simply know God's love and covenant faithfulness by experience. He knew it through God's word and the fact that God's own name, his reputation was on the line. If you have a physical Bible in front of you or a Bible app, I want you to look over the whole chapter. 
Do you see in, the, in verse 1, is the word Lord lowercase or uppercase? What about verse 4, 5, 6, and 8? Well, if it isn't in all caps, it really should be. Because when Bible translators have the word Lord in all caps, it tells us that the name of God is being used. This isn't just a a general title or even just any Lord, but rather the name there that's being used is Yahweh, the covenant-making God who made the world, parted the Red Sea, gave the law, and loves his people with an everlasting love. And God has exalted his name, and it matters because it means he's serious about keeping his promises to us. God doesn't lie. And when we recognize who God is, his greatness and his goodness, it should lead us to wholehearted thanksgiving regardless of what life might have brought us. David turns from thanksgiving from who God is to thanksgiving for what God has done. Give thanks for what God has done. Look at verse 3. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. David gives thanks for answered prayer. He called to God, and God didn't simply hear him. He answered him. He gave David strength in his soul. And while we aren't told, like with other psalms, exactly what the background was, there actually was similar language used in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And in 1 Samuel chapter 30, David has lost everything. The city's destroyed. His wives have been kidnapped, which he shouldn't have had multiple wives to begin with. But they all got taken away from him. David and his men wept, it says, until they could not weep anymore. And so the people were looking for somebody to blame. So they looked to David and go, David, this is your fault. And they pick up stones ready to stone him. And yet 1 Samuel 30 verse 6 says that David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. That the Lord strengthened David even as David pursued the Lord. That the Lord made him bold in his soul, and he gave him strength to keep going even as he was on fumes physically and spiritually. Have you ever experienced God answer prayers? Have you ever experienced a, a supernatural God given boldness in your soul, even as everything around you falls apart? Have you ever been able to say, I called and he answered? David could, and he reflected on this, and that it fueled his thanksgiving. I would challenge you to think back over your year. What has God done in your life in response to prayer? Or friends, sometimes God often does stuff out of sheer grace. And have you given thanks for it? Friends, I firmly believe thanksgiving shouldn't be reserved for one day a year. But if we're going to have it one day a year, we might as well make it as much as we can. Friends, take inventory this week. Maximize your thanksgiving by reflecting back on all God has done in your life. And be specific. Maybe start writing them down so that you can begin to pull up things that God has done throughout the year, whether on your phone or in a journal, to give thanks for what God has done. This is what David does, but he doesn't even stop there. He gave thanks for who God is, and he gave thanks for what God has done. But he third, he gives thanks 
for who you are. He says, give thanks for who you are. Look at verse 4. Look at this. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Wow, what, what a vision here. David doesn't pray with a view toward just one king singing of the ways of the Lord. Wouldn't that be nice? But of all the kings of the earth singing of how great is the glory of the Lord. All the kings of the earth hearing the word of God and responding in praise to the God of the word. What a vision. Even David himself is trying to be an example of one of these kings, at least trying to live out God's word and give God praise. But what he's saying is no matter how great any earthly king or earthly government may be, they will bow the knee to the king of kings. No matter how great they are, no matter how great or how, how much blessing you may have, how much power and influence in this world, there's one to whom you must give an account and to whom is owed all of your thanksgiving and praise. Notice what David says next in verse 6. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Friends, the Lord is high above all kings and kingdoms, yet unlike so many in power, he has regard for the lowly. He cares for the tiny and seemingly insignificant and seemingly useless, and he loves the humble. Yet it says the prideful, the arrogant, the boastful, those that walks with a swagger, he knows from afar. He keeps at arm's length, and he echoes exactly what James chapter 4 would later write, that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Friends, we need to give thanks for who we are, no matter what we have. Give thanks. Maybe today you may not be a king. I don't think we have any kings in here today, but we do have people with power and influence and riches. Be thankful for it, because it ultimately comes from Jesus. Now, no, we got tons of people in here who aren't kings or governors or anything like that. And he says, even if you're not, you should be thankful for whatever you have, for all things come from God. And to be humble because God loves and regards the humble. If you're small, be thankful because that's exactly whom God has his eye on is the small and seemingly insignificant. And that is a reminder, you are not too small or too insignificant for the king of kings. Remember, Jesus came to earth as a humble and lowly man, as a poor and an outcast. And friends, if that's you, God sees you. So we can be thankful God levels the playing field. Princes don't have it better than paupers when it comes to the kingdom of God. Praise God that so many of the preachers on TV have it wrong that wealth and power and money are not signs of God's gift of salvation, but they certainly are gifts to be thankful for. Hear what Psalm chapter 8 says, these incredible words again from David. David wrote this, When I look at your heavens, the works of your hands, the moon and stars which you've set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. 
Yet you made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and you crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. And David here is reflecting on Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 and seeing the incredible reality that God has regard for you. He's created all of the incredible, the sun, the moon, the stars. And yet none of those are in his image. You are. And Jesus would also say in the Sermon on the Mount that God cares more for us than for the birds of the air, the lilies of the valley. And for those who are humble and thankful, God regards you ahead of the kings who reject him. And he reflects on the fact that we have been placed in dominion above the animals and the birds of the field. And so, friends, we can eat this Thanksgiving and be thankful. We have dominions over the turkey and the ham, and we can eat together for the glory of God, whatever he's given to us. Be thankful for who you are because God loves you. And finally, David gives wholehearted thanks for what God has promised to do. For what God has promised. Look at verse 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hands against the wrath of my enemies. And on your right hand, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Here David remembers what God has done, but he also considers what God will do. In the midst of trouble, God preserved him, and he sort of reflects on what he wrote in the 23rd Psalm, that even as he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, God was with him. God rescued him from his enemies and stretched out his right hand, which is associated with showing his power. But verse 8 is key. The Lord will Fulfill his purpose for me. He turns from God's past preservation to his future promise. God is going to do what he's promised to do. No matter where David goes, his steadfast love will endure forever. It's going to follow him all the days of his life, and God will not forsake the works of his hands. Friends, this is David's version of what the Apostle Paul would write in Romans chapter 8. This is David's version of this. Look at Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so where he ends, where he began, is where he ends. He gives thanks for God's grace and his greatness and his goodness for who he is and for what he has done in answering prayer and rescuing us from trouble. 
He ultimately gives thanks for who we are, that God is not the respecter of persons. He doesn't look at the outward, but at the heart. And he's calling us to have humble hearts as we give thanks and worship him. And to see that all, and to give thanks for all God has promised to do. That he's going to fulfill his purpose for David. And friends, he won't, he, he will fulfill his purpose for you. He will not forsake the works of his hands. And all of this culminates in the person of Jesus Christ. Friends, Jesus is the fountain of all thanksgiving and the source of all good gifts. In his cross and empty tomb, he has emptied death of its power, and thanksgiving will go on forever. Friends, Jesus knows what it is to be preserved in the midst of trouble, and he even knows what it is to be forsaken by God. And this wasn't due to his sin, but in order to forgive our sin. He canceled our sin and its debt so that we have no need to fear hell anymore. He rose from the dead so that all who follow him might rise again. And he is the one who's given us a blood-bought promise that all things will work together for our good. This is true for believers in Jesus Christ. But for those who maybe aren't followers of Christ, Thanksgiving is a sermon preaching to you. You have gratitude in your life, but who can you express some of that gratitude toward? There are things in your life too big for anyone around you to receive the credits. And yet you have this desire to give thanks. Do we direct it to some impersonal universe? Let me tell you, nothing bugs me more than when somebody gives thanks to the universe for something. The universe doesn't have a name. The universe didn't do that for you. That's unsatisfying. The universe doesn't seem to care enough to give you all of these good gifts in your life. Some stop it. Well, I'll just give thanks to my earthly family and friends for what they've given you. And that's better. That's good. But friends, there's still things your family and friends had nothing to do with that you have in your life. Friends, we're called to give thanks to Jesus Christ. To God in the flesh, true God of true God, the better and true David, the king over all who is worthy to receive thanksgiving and honor and blessing and glory, to be loved with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In fact, did you know that in heaven, thanksgiving is not a holiday. Thanksgiving is every single day. And friends, they don't set their attention on a turkey. They got their attention on a lamb. And friends, who is worthy to receive thanksgiving with our whole hearts? Here's what the book of Revelation declares. John has this vision and he says, Then I looked and heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, same with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wisdom and wealth and might and honor and glory and blessing. Friends, we give thanks to the Lord with our whole hearts. Before the gods, we sing his praise. What are you thankful for? And who are you thankful to? Friends, may this season of thanksgiving reflect the eternal thanksgiving that will never end. Let's stand and let's pray together. We do come before you, Father in heaven, and give thanks with our whole hearts.
Lord, we are so thankful of your greatness, God. We just want to sit and recognize that you are God and we are not. You are creator and we are creation. There is such a difference between us that you have ordered all things in this world and we give thanks for your greatness, but also for your goodness, that you love us and you have regard for us, even the lowly. And Lord, I pray that you would have us to see that though you created the stars and the universe, you care for us. What is the son of man that you care for us? We're thankful for your greatness, for your goodness. We're thankful for all that you've done in answering prayers and for all the the common grace gifts that you've given to us. But Lord, ultimately, we're thankful for what you've promised to do. You promised to save any and all who call upon your name. And I pray if there's any here within the sound of my voice who do not know you, that they would be reconciled this Thanksgiving with the one who is the thanks receiver, the one to whom all thanks is due and directed, that we'd be reconciled to him and that we would glorify and honor you as we give thanks with humble hearts. Lord, be honored in our worship. And we ask and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is King of Kings and he's Lord of Lords. We're going to sing this portion of the song we sang earlier. Let's sing it together. We're going to lift his name up high. together. So as we head out into uh, whatever our Thanksgiving week has for us, we go in the blessing and in the power of God, and we close with a benediction, a blessing from God's word from Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.